We say thank you for, for just uh, bringing us together to worship you, to honor you, to glorify you, Father. And Father, I pray right now, Father, that you just move me aside and bring your word forth to just open up our understanding, Father, what it is that you have for us. I pray the Holy Spirit, you just have your way in the rest of this service. Continue your anointing power through us, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray in the church, say, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. Journey to the cross. Journey to the cross, the promised Savior. The promised Savior. Journey to the cross, church. We're going into Easter Sunday. My prayer is that the next few weeks we prepare our hearts and our spirits to go on this journey with Jesus. With Jesus. That we may in our spirit feel his loneliness. That we may feel his pain, his anguish. That we may feel his betrayal and become overwhelmed by his love. By his love. But we can't come overwhelmed by his love if our hearts are not grateful first for his sacrifice, church. For his sacrifice. The journey to the cross. The journey to that Easter Sunday over 2,000 years ago. This journey will take us through the preexistence of Jesus to mankind. The life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Understanding God's plan, church, for the whole world. Every man, every woman, and every child. Everyone who lived and everyone who shall live. The Old Testament will tell us how sin and death entered into the world. It also will tell us about a wonderful Savior whom God has promised to send us. Hallelujah. The wonderful Savior who will conquer that sin, who will conquer that death. But we must first understand how. How that sin and how that death entered into the world. Why? And why we are in need of a Savior, church. So we have to go back to the beginning. We have to go back to the beginning to understand the how and the why. We must go back to the beginning to understand the here and the now. Understand who we were created to be, a life with God, and who we were created not to be. A life without God. Without God. So in order to get to the solution, which is the cross, we must first understand the problem. The problem that started it all, church. That started it all. The problem that now lives where? Within us. This nature that we have. So... We start in the book of Genesis, the beginning. Some call it the, the beginning of the end. We're going to start in, in, in Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27. And it's going to lead us into chapter 3 where we find the answers to how sin and death came into the world. Why we need a Savior. And then we go into God's plan 
for all of that, all of that. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures, all the creatures that move along the ground. Let us, he says, let us, our, that's plural, that's plural. This seems to be the reference of the Trinity. Let us, God the Father, let us, God the Son, let us, God the Holy Spirit, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, our God in three, three distinct, unified persons. Amen? 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male. And female, he created them. Now we read about the creation of human beings. Created different from any of all the animals or any other thing that God had created. Understanding that both men and women are God's special creation. Not products of evolution. Not products of evolution, church, but created by a holy God. A holy God in his image. Christ is the image of God. Man and woman will resemble Christ and bring God's image into created order in this earth. In this earth. Glory to God. Ask yourself, church. Why would a holy God create something meant to bring him honor, glory to his name? Why would he make such a thing unholy, unworthy? You and me were meant not to be unholy. We were created not to be unholy, unworthy. No, no. A holy God would not create something unholy to do his will. No. When the Bible tells us that his will is good, his will is perfect. So God needs some holy folk. God needs some worthy folk to do his will. That is part of the redemption process. That is the process that we are going through. To be holy, to be worthy, to be blameless before a holy God. So our holy God created man and woman in his likeness. To be like himself. To be like a holy God. Amen? Amen. God intended, God intent for mankind was to be holy. Living with the Holy God in a perfect relationship with God. 
And so we come to chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not a product of evolution, church. No. Not a product of evolution. Understand, when God speaks, something happens, church. When God speaks, something happens. When God breathes, something happens. <laughs> something happens. For he spoke it and it came into existence. For he breathed and gave it life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the God we serve. Glory. Timothy says this, that the Bible is breathed out by God. Breathed out by God. God's word is God's breath to us. Bringing us life. Bringing us life. Hallelujah. Making us more like Christ. When that word seed into our hearts, we begin to transform into the likeness of Christ, giving us new life, new life, church. Remember on this journey, this journey will lead us to the upper room where Jesus in the upper room breathed on his disciples. He breathed out the Holy Spirit on them. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit, which is the what? The breath of life. The very breath of life lives in us. That's how we are capable of living a new life, a born-again life through the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. This says that to breathe in someone's nostrils is what happened when two people kiss. Two people kiss. We can see that, right? Then it says this. God kissed life into Adam. <laughs> God kissed life into Adam. Hallelujah. Picture that. <laughs> Kiss life. That's love. That's love. That's love. And we, as God's, as lovers of God, we should long for that spirited kiss. As lovers of God, we should long for that spirit to kiss. Breathe on me, Lord. Breathe on me, oh God. Hallelujah. Breathe on me. Hallelujah. Chapter 2, 15 and 16. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free free to eat from any tree in the garden. God made the first man, Adam, holy. He was pure. He was reserved for God's purposes. Adam was the peak of God's creation. He was free from sin and in a perfect, perfect relationship with God. It was life as God intended it for mankind. Life as God intended it for mankind. 
And it says that God commanded Adam, commanded him, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Verse 17. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, church, man's test. Man's test. Hallelujah. Adam was blessed by God. He was blessed by God to be in the beautiful garden of Eden. And Adam had one responsibility. One. <laughs> one. Obedience to the command of God. Obedience to the command of God. So we see here in the beginning, the beginning of human race, the first man ever created by God. Here we see God expected obedience and the acceptance of his word as the absolute truth. In the beginning, see, God is not just picking on us, church. He's not just picking on us. The people have changed. The world has changed. But God's word, his commands are for all people for every single generation. Every generation. Our grandchildren, their children will have these same commands of God. <laughs> these very same commands. It's like a test, right? If they want to pass the test of life, they will listen to us. Because we've been through it and we can give them the answers to how to live this life. But many times we fail the test, though, right? Even when we have the answers wrapped before us, we'll fail it in the heartbeat. We'll fail it. God gave Adam the command, maybe, as a moral test, church. As a moral test. Because it gave Adam a definite and intentional choice to either believe and obey or doubt and defy. The choice of God. The choice of God. But God expected obedience to his word. He expected obedience then. He expected now. When our children were young, it, under our roofs, in our homes, we expected them to be obedient to everything we asked them to do, right? Because we as parents, as good parents, we wouldn't tell them anything that would harm them. We wouldn't tell them anything to, to do anything that was untrue. Anything that was morally incorrect, we wouldn't tell them to do so, right? Our God is neither unkind. Our God is neither harsh, church. Our Father is gracious. He's gracious. He's generous to us all. And we all can testify to that. We all can testify to the goodness of God. God alone knows what we need. 
God alone knows what we need. And to enjoy, we must trust him. To enjoy, we must obey him. Amen? So God told Adam, but you must not eat from the tree or you will certainly die. The warning, church, the warning of a loving father to his son. The warning of a loving father to his child, his children. You must not. You must not. Verse 18. The Lord God said it is not good for man to be alone. No. I will make a helper suitable for you. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The woman, man's compliment. The woman, man's compliment. And what a compliment, a beautiful, loving woman it is, right? The compliment of a man. God has truly blessed man. Truly blessed man. The woman by no means is the lesser creature. By no means. The same God who made Adam made her in his image. (laughs) Adam was made from the dust. But the woman was made from Adam's side. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. God wanted suitable companionship for Adam. So he gave him a wife. He didn't give him an animal. He gave him a wife. A wife. Someone who could understand him. Someone who would help him. Help him. Help him. 225. Adam and his wife were naked, were both naked, and they felt no shame. No shame. No shame. This is the story of innocence. This is the story of innocence. Naked and not ashamed. Naked and not ashamed. Childlike innocence. We've all seen the newborn babies. A couple of months old. The best part of their day seems like when they're getting changed up. And they're just laying there, right? Goo goo guy got playing, jumping, kicking, laughing, excited. Excited. Naked. And not ashamed. Innocent. Lying there with all their business out. (laughs) Without a care in the world, right? Without a care in the world. Because they can't see their nakedness, church. They can't see their nakedness. They don't understand that they are naked. The childlike innocence of not knowing sin. The childlike innocence of not knowing shame. The childlike innocence of not knowing guilt. 
not knowing. But when that child gets older, when that child gets older and their eyes are open, they will make sure they're covered up. They will make sure they are covered up because they will become ashamed by nature. By nature. How many of us in here can stand naked and not ashamed? Not because you're not beautiful, not because you're not handsome, not because you are not worthy. No. Because our sinful nature. We don't feel innocent, right? We don't feel pure. We don't feel holy. We feel shame. We feel unclean by nature, by nature. But Adam and Eve felt none of that, none of that. Adam and Eve felt none of that. They were pure, they were holy, and free of sin, free of sin. Jesus says, he without sin cast the first stone. Adam and Eve could cast the first stone. None of us could do it. But Adam and Eve could do it. Cast the first stone. But later, in chapter 3, Adam and Eve will be trying to hide their nakedness from God. And that's what God did not want to happen. He did not want that to happen. He didn't want mankind to know sin. He did not want mankind to know shame. He didn't want us to know guilt. They knew no sin, church. They knew no evil. They knew no jealousy. They knew no strife. Adam and his wife were innocent. They had no guilt. And so they had no shame. They had no shame. But childlike innocence. Childlike Innocence, pure, righteous, holy, walking side by side in a perfect relationship with the holy God. This is who mankind was meant to be. Meant to be life, church life, as God intended it for us. They was living the life that we would have been living. Wow. See, this should help us, this should help us understand, understand how valuable, how valuable innocence really was. How valuable innocence really was. How much it meant to a holy God. How much it meant to a holy God. Because if you think about it, it's sad to say but when we look at those babies with that child-like innocence, that probably be the last time you'll see that innocence on this earth through them. Because of this nature. Because of this problem. This problem. God had warned Adam that while he was free to eat from any tree, 
He was not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because the consequences, the consequences from eating from that tree would be death. Did Adam think God was joking? Did Adam think God was joking, church? It seems as though many, many people today think that God's commands, God's word today are just a joke. Are just a joke. And now we have the fall of humanity. Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Verse 1. Now the serpent, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now the serpent may be more crafty than any of the other animals, right? But didn't God say he gave man and woman power over all the creatures that crawl along the ground? That includes the serpents. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. He will flee. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. The woman knew better. The woman knew better. Eve knew better, church. A lot of times we know better. A lot of times we know better and we fail to do better. But we must know, we must know, there are consequences. There are consequences to knowing better and not doing better. There are consequences to knowing God's word. To knowing God's commands, to knowing God's promises and not doing it and not doing it there's consequences verse 6 when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye Bible tells us church that the lust of the eyes lead to sin lead to sin and it says and also desirable for gaining wisdom. And she took some and ate it. She took some and ate it. It seems as though Eve was tempted to know more than God. So she took some and ate it. Bible tells us, be not wise in our own eyes, church. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And he ate it. 
The Bible says as soon as they ate it, they realized they were naked. They realized they had no clothes on. Then they went running from God. Remember in chapter 2, they lived a, a moral, innocent life with God. Innocence. They were naked and felt like it wasn't wrong. It wasn't even shameful. And now that they have sinned, they have went against God, their awareness of being naked is related to that sin. It's related to that disobedience and their new corrupt nature. Now, Adam and Eve is just like us today. Just like us. They was pure. They was holy, blameless, innocent. They lost their childlike innocence. They lost it. Lost it. But what about Adam? What if Adam didn't eat the fruit? What if Adam did not eat? The fruit, church. God cursed the ground because Adam listened to the voice of his wife. Because he listened to the voice of his wife instead of God. Instead of God. Eve was tempted and persuaded by Satan. And in return, she persuaded and tempted Adam. God gave the command to Adam. He gave it to Adam. Adam allowed his love for his wife to persuade him to defy God, to be disobedient to God. The question, church, who in your life right now, who in your life right now, knowingly or unknowingly, is persuading you to be disobedient to God? To be disobedient to God. Knowingly or unknowingly, who is persuading you? Who is tempting you to be disobedient to God? The Holy Spirit has spoken to you to do something or not to do something. To stop whatever it is you're doing. And someone you love, knowingly or unknowingly, may be persuading you to go against God. Making it seem as though it's all right to compromise against God. None or unknown. When we allow others, church, when we allow others to persuade us, convince us, tempt us, to go against God, to go against God's word. It is not just you who's going to be affected. It's going to be everyone that's connected to you. Everyone who's connected to you. Your spouse, your children, your grandchildren. Maybe a whole generation of your family may be affected. May be affected. 
And now because you were disobedient to God, you're leading your family in the wrong direction. You're leading your family away from God. You're leading your family into destruction because of your disobedience to God. Everyone suffers because you defied the word of God. You knew what God has spoken into you to do or not to do. You may have the opportunity to save a whole generation by being obedient to God. God may be placing you at the head of your family to save them by being obedient to God. By being obedient to God. Remember, we stand alone in judgment day. We live a life with people, but we will stand alone on judgment day. I say this, church. Do not never be ashamed to live for God. Allow your witness to be your witness to anyone. Do not defy God. Do not defy God for no one you love. God, he's a loving God. He's a gracious God. Part of me will say he, he, he will understand because he's so good. But I really don't want to tell you that. <laughs> I really don't want to say that. <laughs> That's how good God is. My goodness, God, you're so good. <laughs> Mm. Everyone will suffer, church. Let's be careful. You want the promises of God for your life? You know what he's told you. You know what he's told you. When somebody tries to persuade you, tell them what God told you. God said, no, I can't do that no more, sir, ma'am, no. I'm not compromising. Everyone may suffer. And in this case, church, in this case of Adam and his disobedience to God over one, one command, one, it affected the whole entire world. The whole entire world, the whole entire human race. One command. It brought evil, sin, and death into a creation that was meant to be holy. That was meant to be holy. And now we live in a world where we're not even safe. We live in a world where our children are not even safe. A world where our grandchildren are not even safe, church. Because of evil intent of man that lies in man's heart. Born with a heart turned away from God. Away from righteousness. Away from good. Because of our sin nature. 
One command. One. This is the reason, church. We need a savior. This is the reason we need a savior. How valuable is innocence? How valuable is innocence? Let's look after our babies in the world. I pray that they stay innocent in the world that's not innocent. Romans 5.12, Paul tells us this. He says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin. This is why we need to be saved. This is why we need to be saved. We inherited the spirit of Adam and Eve. We were born with the spirit of disobedience to God. No fault of our own. No fault of our own. That's just who we are. When I, don't see, when I see someone sin, I don't see them. I see their nature because I have that same nature within me. And it's hard to control that nature. That's why we need a Savior, Christ, the Spirit of the living God. The sin of disobedience has brought separation, separation from God, both physically they were walking with God in the, in the garden. Walking with God in the garden. With God. With God. We. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was us. That was intended for every one of us. To be walking with God. But that, that separation came and it separated us from God physically, and also spiritually. And it is deserving a death by a holy God. By a holy God. Remember, God wanted to destroy the whole world because of that evil. Because of that evil that's in our hearts. The evil that's in your heart, the evil that's in my heart. We need Jesus. We need the spirit to try to control that evil that lives within us. Because it's there. It's going to be with us until the day that we die. It's there. Do not deny it. That's the worst thing you can do is deny it. It is there. The flesh is not going nowhere. We need Christ. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to control it. You see this world going crazy because people are, are without Christ and they can't control that evil within them. I remember not being in Christ. I could not control the evil within me, the sin that was in me. It ruled me. It ruled me. But the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, church, Oh, it's wonderful. You never thought that you could be changed. I never thought that I could be changed. Never. 
how can I be changed by something I don't see? <laughs> so many thoughts, so many questions. But then it happens. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then it happens. Mm. Hallelujah. God did not create mankind to be his enemy, church. A loving God did not create mankind to be his enemy. God did not create us to be against him. God did not create us to be sinners. He did not create us to be sinners. God created us in his image, in his likeness. A holy God created a people to be holy. To be holy. So even... In the sinful disobedience of man, God gave us a promise. Hallelujah. After all of that, all the creation that God went through, all the trouble God went through to create the whole world, one command defied God. Just imagine how God felt. Just imagine how our parents then felt when we disappointed them. They had us on the path of righteousness. And we fell off that path under their guidance when they told us what was right, right from wrong, and we went left, right? Yeah. But God said, I still love y'all. He said, I still love you, Adam and Eve. You are my greatest creation. Hallelujah. You are my greatest creation. God gave us a promise. A promise to defeat his enemy. A promise of God's mercy. A promise of God's love, church. Of his love. Genesis 3.13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. <laughs> Woo! You gonna let somebody else deceive you against God? This is a lesson for us. Never, never to let someone deceive you to go against God. We know better. We must do better, right? 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel, the promise of a savior. This is the first hope of God's plan to defeat evil, church, to restore his relationship with his people. It predicts full victory for God over Satan. This is the prophecy, the prophecy of a spiritual conflict between Eve's offspring, the woman's offspring, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, the promised Savior. 
the conflict between Jesus and Satan is what's going on now. This is the prophecy of that. In Isaiah, God promised that Christ will be born of a woman. And he will be bruised, bruised by the unjust death on the cross. This is where we're headed. But yet, he would rise from the dead. The Savior will rise from the dead to completely bruise Satan, sin, and death. And he would do all of that to save the human race. All of that to save the human race. And there we have the beginning, the beginning of our promised Savior, church. Do we understand how sin and death came into the world and why we need a Savior? The beginning of the end. The beginning to the end, to the cross. Amen. Amen, amen. We have communion. Let us prepare for communion at this time.